Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. When are we going to figure out this uh, daylight savings time thing? When we stop doing it. I ju- like, I understand it's only one hour, but the way my body, my brain react to it is like, it takes me a week to recover. It's like I flew across the planet and I'm dealing with jet lag. Yeah. Right now for me, it feels like someone took like one of those chisels yeah. and a hammer and just like right on one spot of my brain. Yeah. Just, just like focused the body. Just yeah. took a swing at it and I feel terrible. Like I said, this is the most hungover I've been for the lack of drinking I've done. I didn't have a single drink yesterday and I feel hungover. You look terrible. I feel terrible. What'd you call us coming in the door, Brad? Soft. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong, man. I don't deny it. You had the best reasoning for it. My, and I'll say it again. My parents did not come to this country and sacrifice everything to give me a better life to have me grow up. To be hardened by the world. <laughs> they wanted me to have the luxury of being sensitive to a one-hour uh, time dilation in my day. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Um, two-thirds as soft as ever. Uh, and here to talk about Red Wings hockey, which is actually quite the opposite of late. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Uh, On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we'll talk about the Detroit Red Wings' last couple of games, which have been uh, halfway interesting. I'll give it halfway interesting, um, because one of them was an absolute snooze fest. Uh, We're going to be talking about some news for the Red Wings in terms of lineup changes, um, some devastating news for Robbie Fabry, uh, a certain goalie being shopped on the trade market, and the upcoming or the continuing West Coast road swing what's to come. Uh, we'll be talking about a prospect, which we were supposed to do last episode, but uh, the doom and gloom took over more time than we thought it would. So we're going to double back and do that uh, uh, defensive prospect profile. We have some NHL news, and we'll chat a little bit about uh, the world of um, playoff and Stanley Cup odds, and uh, we'll go from there. Before we do all that, Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA is quickly approaching. We are less than a month away that is april 9th saturday april 9th uh at little caesars arena detroit red wings versus the columbus blue jackets and we are hosting an event we're partnered with the detroit red wings so pre-game we are going to be recording a live episode featuring ken daniels and mickey redmond uh there is going to be a hangout in the same place that the live episode is taking place we're going to have food out for you guys some snacks uh the bar will be open for you to buy drinks um there's gonna be merch giveaways you can bully brad you can get autographs from evan uh you can more importantly meet our special guest prashanth is going to be there as well prashanth Iyer, um and it's going to be a great time there's winged wheel podcast seating sections we filled the gondola it's full there are literally no seats left in the gondola it's all winged wheel podcast night um we have more seats added in the lower bowl as well as some upper bowl sections as well and evan what's up What about the tickets? They are discounted. They're discounted, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Discounted tickets uh, for you to purchase. So those are still available. And uh, most importantly, uh, a portion of the proceeds from every ticket sold will benefit the Jamie Daniels Foundation. And can't forget, the after party is at Harry's Detroit Bar and Grill. Uh, We have the entire upper floor and they're going to stay open as long as we're having fun. So uh, it's going to be a good time. 
link in the description to get your tickets or go to wingedwheelpodcast.com slash blog. Um, I think we should also mention, since it's coming up, um, we are doing our March Madness pool bracket challenge, whatever you want to call it again. Um, so the link will be going out probably before you hear this episode. So check your Patreon inbox if you're the appropriate tier level. Um, yeah, it's, it's always a ton of fun and nobody really knows what they're doing. Um, first place prize this year is a custom Red Wings jersey as well as a ticket to a Red Wings game. Yep. Since we have to redo this, I can no longer make my joke about a <laughs> ticket to the Alora Rock. So I've ruined that for myself. Um, now you know how it feels when I ruin my jokes. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just not the same. No. The delivery is not the same. No. Um, so yeah, that starts on Thursday, I think. So you have a few days. And the first time we did this, I thought we had weeks, <laughs> but apparently we do not. <laughs> Yeah, you were saying like, like no March rush, Madness. No rush at all. And I'm like, I think there's a little rush. So yeah, you can start to make your picks. That's how March Madness works for, works for any of you who have done brackets. Yeah, so first place, that's the first place prize. Second place, we'll figure something out. And then the next prize will be whoever does the most correct picks. So um, yeah, we'll get that out to everybody tonight before you hear this. Um, so make sure you get that in. I think first game started at like noon on Thursday thursday or wednesday so you have until eleven fifty nine to get those in i heard that the odds of a perfect bracket are one in 9.2 quintillion so let me just say if the perfect perfect bracket comes out of the winged wheel podcast patreon <laughs> red wings focus podcast league i'll give you a hundred bucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah you could probably give everybody a few thousand dollars and still have several millions left. <laughs> Just about. So uh, keep a lookout. Uh, again, if you're the uh, uh, appropriate tier or above on Patreon, keep a lookout at your uh, Patreon inbox to get those picks in. Okay, let's chat about the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, they had two games since we last spoke, one against Minnesota, a 6-5 loss in, a, in the shootout at home, and then one uh, in Calgary to kick off their West Coast road trip, which was a 3-0 snooze fest of a loss. Um, the big story here is, is the Minnesota game. And we went into that saying, look, one game does not make a season one game does not make a coaching tenure one game does not make a player's career etc etc but if there was ever one game that the detroit red wings can't afford to come out and just completely fall flat it's that minnesota game and look it was not a perfect game we saw one of the worst goals against that we will ever have the the privilege of witnessing is a Vesa Toskala in net yeah for a second yeah um, at least Toskala didn't put it into his own net. <laughs> but I will say, in all, at least we saw life. Yes, got that's it. good. Got when you it. Just show up to work. That's good. The bar is on the floor. <laughs> right, <laughs> the bar truly was on the floor after the Arizona game. Uh, but no, that was uh that that six five loss. I will say there was points. There were points where the Red Wings looked substantially better. Um, I mean, they scored five goals. The offense showed up, right? Yeah. There was the brawl, and I know some people have differing opinions on that, but at least we saw something. Why don't we walk? Why don't we walk through the game? Let's go, you know, start to end in, in the goals here. The, the 
The scoring was opened with Matt Boldy, of course, a rookie on an opposing team. The Red Wings love giving those up. Um, and then we saw Jacob Vrana score his second goal in his second game back with the Red Wings. And man, I understand it's a small sample, but this guy, he just makes a difference. Like we've said it time and time again, the ability that he has to rip that puck in tight, surrounded in traffic, deceiving the goalie, the velocity off of it, the accuracy, it is, it's like if he didn't exist and you took Zadina's tools and you amplified them to 10 or 100 or whatever you want to call it and said, we're going to make this the perfect version of Philip Zadina, that's what Jacob Verona is when he shoots. So he opened the scoring and uh, that was only half of his goals for the day because he scored yet again afterwards on a deceptively difficult shot off of a nice pass from Hironic. How much nicer is it having Jacob Verona back in this lineup? Um, it's different. It's it's weird when goals come from not the top line. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know what we can with everybody with all the roster omissions, we'll call it due to injury and other reasons right now. I don't know what is the second, third, fourth line anymore, but there isn't. It's just one glob of suck, but Verona emerges from the glob too continue he's on pace for like 70 goals over 82 games with the red wings and i say he doesn't (laughs) (laughs) just about for a second there he was shooting at 60 percent on the season very sustainable extremely sustainable yeah (laughs) i would actually probably bet that goes up a little bit (laughs) zadina at like four percent or whatever he's shooting like please (laughs) just one crumb after watching rana's first goal against minnesota coming off the wall with very little time to set up and no backswing in the shot and then just launching an absolute nuke over i can't remember talbot's shoulder i'm like yeah 60 percent doesn't feel high enough he's with a fully healthy and fully able to play red wings roster which is not the case right now like he is an an x factor for that team because you now have to game plan against actual game-changing weapons across two lines and that feeds into why uh saturday's game against calgary was so easy for calgary but we'll, we'll get into that that was really our, the calgary game was really our chance to adjust the daylight savings we just were too stupid to realize it honestly it was um after that was uh was the alex nadelkovich mishap <laughs> you know ned going into that game i'm not sure i agreed with starting him but i do understand and respect the um the move from from Blashill saying, look, Ned, we still believe in you as a goalie. Like, come out, get the start, get us a solid win out there. I'm not sure I would have done it because we've seen Ned and it's not been like, oh, just the defense is failing him. The defense has been failing him, but he's also been failing the team. Like, both goalies have been garbage of late, plain and simple. There's no other way around it. And it doesn't make him a bad goalie. He's playing like he's on pace to to double his games played, I think I saw today on Twitter. I think what- he might already be there no he's not he's what 40 something games in his career high was 24 like which is it takes some time to get used to anyhow um he got the start there's a puck dribbling into the zone it was going to the right of his net and i think he was looking for an outlet pass across his body on the left on the left half wall streaking out and always a great play as a goalie just to fire it uh (laughs) yeah Crossbody, 
cross the ice in the defensive zone. It seems like a great idea to begin with. Takes his paddle, swings back like he's a, what is that, polo when you're, when you have this. Yep. Swats at the puck, catches it with the heel of his blade. It redirects into the net, I think, through his legs. Goalie goal? I'll count it. That was that was directly. It was not on net before. The collective. Oh no! Across the entire hockey world, watching that play was legitimately audible. So you wish you had a trap door. When you when it literally could not have gotten worse. Like if he came out and got shelled and had another bad game, we would still be talking about the Arizona game more than anything. Like that would have just been business as usual. But someone somewhere must have said, "Well, it can't get worse for Ned." And then that happened. And look, it was a mental error. I don't think that's a play he should be making. Not a goalie without, you know, the confidence and the stability in net. No one needs to tell him that. You could see it on his face where he was like, oh, my God, why did I do that? (laughs) But it was uh, tough to watch. Well, can't get any worse than that. (laughs) Evan, (laughs) come on, man. (laughs) Anyhow, yeah, the monkey paw curling. What I said afterwards was if there is a game where the Red Wings step up and show up for their goalie who needs more than any other time in the season, the help, this is it. And I do think that that Nadelkovich got that from the Red Wings. He got a chance to fight back in that game and at least show up to work through the paces of getting over that that terrible save or not save. They gave him five goals and he did nothing with it. It's better than losing off of that goal. No, that's fair. Um, he did not. Like, I mean, he still gave up six goals that game. Five. Five. Sorry, shootout. shootout. I think every shot in the shootout went in, though, didn't it? Shootout doesn't count <laughs> because it's bad. It's <laughs> devastating to my argument, and thus it does not count. There were points in that game where I thought he looked like he, he showed up and made a big save, but of course, he still wasn't playing well. Well, yeah, because um, the Red Wings defense is still the Red Wings defense, so he's going to get ample opportunity to make big saves and he did get a bunch he also missed a bunch which was yes kind of the problems compounding on each other yeah i i don't know i he was a 918 goalie up until like six weeks ago so i'm not super rattled about a cold streak it happens all the time goalies have cold seasons mm-hmm. so i'm not sure it's been bad and thursday did nothing to make it better only worse but Whatever. Who cares? The team that couldn't score for the last four years is now scoring a bunch of goals. So, you know, we'll take the wins where we can get them. Yeah. Small incremental gains. And speaking of which, uh, Jacob Verona wasn't the only one to put into that game. Lucas Raymond also put in a couple. Classic Lucas Raymond, Nick Letty dynamic duo. Yep. Yep. What happened to Nick Letty? So I know what happened this week. This is my theory. Okay. You ready? No, never. Thomas Grace, unreal game Saturday night against Calgary. Real bounce back game for him, right? Uh Uh-huh. Nick Letty had his best game as a Red Wing by a mile Thursday night against Minnesota. They both saw that Coyotes game Tuesday night and said, we need the hell out of here. So they are doing everything they can to pump up that trade value. Fine by me. What was it? The spinorama inside the zone to pass to to Lucas Raymond? It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. That was like... Where did that come from? Like, yeah, Nick Letty, that's what we've wanted all year. You know, it was deceptive when the goalie... When Lucas Raymond had half the net to shoot at. Yeah. 
Oh, he had more than half the net. I think he put that thing high glove side and it didn't even, and it went past the goalie's blocker. He had half the net <laughs> and not a guy within five feet of him, yeah. which has not been the case. After the first third of Lucas Raymond's season, players collapse on him instantly because they know, which is what you should, how you should defend against him. Yeah, that was excellent. Um, and then after that, Verona again, that was his second goal with Hironic, who had a great feed. Verona, that was another example of, uh, you know, Verona scoring in a way where it doesn't look pretty. And you might think that that's just, you know, any man could have put that in. But then it, you do it. Yeah. Like straight up, that is an incredibly difficult shot to get the angle, the height, and the velocity on it when it's it, like it was in so tight to the red line, like that pass. And it was a good pass from Verona because it's pretty much the only place he could thread it. But that was not an easy finish, and there are very few Red Wings who could have finished that. It's not even just that it was a bad angle. Do you know how hard it is to take a one-timer when the puck is in front of you, not coming at you or behind you? Ask Phillips Adina. It's a nightmare to try and get that. And he didn't get all of it. That thing definitely knuckled off his blade, but he still got enough of it to be able to hit the net and aim it, which is, like I said, unbelievable unbelievably difficult to do from a good spot, let alone from in front of him. Lucas Raymond followed up with another goal uh, again from Nick Letty. And uh, I should say Lucas Raymond's first goal was assisted by Alex Nadelkovich. So he had the goal on himself, the assist. Oh shit. Yeah. He was close to that Gordie Howe hat trick. The refs ruined it. Uh, and then, yeah, it was Letty to Raymond uh, for Raymond's second of the game. And uh, that was a 4-2 lead, which is about as far ahead as the Red Wings got all game. After that, it was Minnesota clawed their way back. Um, the Red Wings blew a third period lead and allowed Minnesota to take the lead, as is tradition. At the end of the period, at the end of the second period, is 4-3. Minnesota had got one back. There was, I hesitate to call it a brawl, but I also hesitate to call it. A, it was more than a scrum, kerfuffle. less than a brawl. It was a, a kerfuffle. Big kerfuffle. And I think it was Greenway and Adelkovich were mad at each other. Yep. And they were going at it. Everyone was going at it, actually. It, it all erupted in front of the net. <sighs> Talbot came down the ice. Oh, oh God. It's the best. Right to my veins. Yeah. Do you, did you guys ever watch How I Met Your Mother? No. No. There's a scene where uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character... Um, goes uh, i think i can't remember the character he said it too he's like you never break up a girl fight never oh, it's, yeah, it's that yeah. like goalie fight like you never break up a don't break up a goalie fight if you're a ref why are you breaking up a goalie fight they have more padding and less range of motion with their arms than anyone else do it if it's player and goalie but if it's goalie and goalie no if it, it's player and goalie don't even break it up no, you <laughs> no, no. Like Ray Emery when he fought like apparently three senators at the same time. <laughs> Ray Emery went for that though. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think Nadelkovich has probably got a little bit of crazy in him. He absolutely does. But Talbot was there. Talbot skated down the ice, wanted Nadelkovich. Oh, God. And what happens? The linesman lets the fights between the other players go and breaks up the goalie like, fight. There's three referees between the two goalies. And then everyone else is getting beat down. Like, if you are a linesman or a referee and you break up a goalie fight, you absolutely drive exactly the speed limit and sit there at the cashier counting out exact change and pennies and nickels and dimes while people wait behind you. You're just the most milk toast, bland, boring jerk in the world. Just let a goalie fight happen, man. We could have had the ironic Gordie Howe hat trick for Nadelkovich. 
That might have been my favorite tweet I ever sent out where I made the joke earlier when he got the assist about, hey, he's a fight away from the thing. And then I had Twitter open when Cam Talbot was coming down the ice and all I could do is tweet, quote tweet my own tweet going, oh my God. It was. And it never happened. You know, the the players involved, it was Larkin and Erickson Eck were going at it. Osterley was in there. Nemesnikov was in there. But the big story was um, Dumba was in early. Raymond came in behind him and pretty much jumped on his back, put him in a headlock and had him held down on the ground. Uh, and it was like, you know, Minnesota fans after this were saying, oh, Raymond started it. And it's like, yeah, sure. If you want to look at it that way, Raymond did start it. Like he was holding Dumba down and he was pinning him down and Dumba was livid about it. They wrestled, and what happened after was Raymond's helmet got pushed off by Dumba's hand at the same time as Dumba got, you know, got around. I don't know wrestling terms, but he got got him thrown to the ice. Raymond's head hit the ice, and there was immediately blood. And I don't know whether it was his head that was cut or his ear. I think it might have been his ear from the process of ripping his helmet off, but Raymond was immediately bleeding quite a bit on the ice. And Dumba, he said after, he was like, I saw red. Uh, through what looked like a forearm shiver or an elbow, and then multiple gloved punches at Raymond's bleeding, unhelmeted head. You know, it's not in the moment anymore. Red Wings fans, including us, can like chill out a little bit and read the situation. There's no way Dumb- for Dumba to have known uh, that he was bleeding. I don't think what he did was sus- suspendable. Like, I don't think it comes close to that. I do think it was a shit move. Like I, I, I think that was, I think that crossed the line in the scope of a scrum. And if you have a guy on his back, no helmet, you want to throw punches. I think that's still shitty. Take your glove off. Don't punch a guy with your glove on. Fortunately, he wasn't able to get too much in on Raymond. I think the forearm shiver slash elbow to start was, uh, I think that was frankly bullshit. I think that was a coward move by Dumba. Yeah. Everything about that was bad by Dumba. Like, Raymond wasn't throwing punches at Dumbo when he was pinning him. It was a classic, hey, these guys are fighting. Let's keep the numbers even. I'm getting you the hell out of there. Because Dumbo wasn't a bystander. Like, there's a, Raymond, there's a reason Raymond jumped him. And I, not jumped him, but, like, got him out of the pile, threw him to the ice, pinned him. Okay, now he's no longer a factor in the brawl. And Raymond just held him there. He wasn't punching him. He wasn't elbowing him. He wasn't doing it. Just held him there. Yeah, if I'm done by in that situation, I'm pissed because, like, you know, let go of me type deal. But then, yeah, he grabs his helmet, rips his helmet off. It wasn't in one motion and then threw, then threw him backwards to the ice, which was the first bullshit move. And then, yeah, when you have a guy pinned like that and he can't defend himself, it was almost like what's it called? The crucifix in MMA where his arms are trapped and you can just tee off on his head. Like... I actually, I, like, I don't have a problem even with, like, the wrestling. Like, I, I think that's just, like, the anger and, like, the motions of what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's suspendable. It's just dirty. There's a difference between the two, right? The the glove punch, like, those didn't stop. And he didn't stop because he caught himself. He stopped because, he, like, Larkin finally clued into what was happening, as did the refs finally got their hands, their heads out of their asses. Yeah, yeah the refs finally stopped trying to spoil the goalie fight and, and pulled Dumba off. But Dumba was still trying to throw them. And, like, fortunately, in, like, the tangle of, of Dumba and Raymond, he wasn't able to swing too much. But the way Dumba explained it was, you know, I saw red, which, hey, at least he acknowledged it. But then he's like, I think everyone was throwing punches. And it's like, no, buddy, I, I think people were respecting the motions of a normal hockey fight at least a little bit. I understand the code, the unspoken code is... Sometimes true and sometimes not. If Dumba's excuse was going by the code, 
No, he's the biggest hypocrite because he was. He didn't mention the code, but okay, he was like he said everyone was throwing punches, but I just think everyone was. How, how the hell would he know? His head was buried in <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you know, jersey. You know who didn't throw a punch? Lucas Raymond. I understand everything that happened that got him to that point. I still think that was a shitty decision for him to make. And then what happened after was the part where I'm like, I'm happy the Red Wings are going after him because he refused every fight. And yeah. It's like you want to punch a defenseless, helmetless, bleeding. And again, he didn't know he's bleeding. Rookie in the head with your elbow and your, and your gloved fist. You got to answer the bell. After. Clearly, you want to you want to fight. So yeah. Why don't you fight someone who wants to who's a willing combatant? Uh, because the guys who challenged him probably would have beat him, and he didn't like yeah. that. That's no. That, that's that's my whole thing. Like, I didn't have obviously I didn't like. I mean, what, I wouldn't be fighting like a Giovanni Smith if I'm a Matt Dumba. No. Oh, you lo- you lose the right to <laughs> I'll pick. I'll take an Adam Ernie if I'm yeah. Matt Dumba. No, you lose the right to choose when you pick the youngest, smallest guy on the Red Wings to go after. You lost the right to pick your combatant in the next. Next one, because again, I, you know, kind of appealing to the boomer window here, but this is hockey code in every level in every league you ever go to. We've really regressed, eh? Like, yeah. bro, you guys have. <laughs> this is where I've always been. Yeah. No, but it, it's true, though, because, you know, whether or not we as fans believe it or think that it should exist is irrelevant because among players in the NHL, it exists. Every level of hockey up until minor hockey, it exists. You do something shitty, especially to a star player or a young player or an inexperienced player on the other team, you better be ready. It doesn't matter the context or the circumstance that led up to you doing it, justified or not. You did it. You're going to answer for it. And we've seen it time and time again. Uh, The John Tavares, Corey Perry thing comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Complete 100% accident, Corey Perry did not need to answer the bell, but he did because he knew it wouldn't stop until he did. And he said, yeah, I'd probably... I'd and it just diffuses yeah. everything. Yeah. And, then it's, and it's over there. He's like, I would have done the same thing if it was reversed. Like, everybody knows. So... Because if it's not if it's not Corey Perry who answered the bell, who was it that game? Who else? Suzuki. Yeah, someone else. It would have taken a run. So, fast forward to the third period. Dumba... It, it was delayed because Dumba actually took a shot off the ankle and had to leave for a bit. Yeah. Which, you know... There's some some karmic justice in there. Yeah. But then when he comes back, Rasmussen, all six foot seven of them goes, all right, time to go. And Tumba's like, nah. Yeah. And again, chicken shit move. You, you know, whether or not you believe in the code, he broke the code there. So next scrum there was, Heronic ran across the pile and grabbed him. If there's a guy I'm fighting on the Red Wings and who challenged me, it'd be Heronic. Yeah. Heronic's a little bit of a crazy person. He's got crazy eyes. Yeah. I honestly, if I'm Dumba's size, I think I would rather take Rasmussen. But Rasmussen is a big dude, so you don't yeah. know. You, you have no reach whatsoever. You'd have to yeah. get on the inside. But yeah, so then Dumba backs down and, and was completely refusing to answer the bell. And that's where my big problem yeah. started with him. It's like, yeah, you see red in a scrum. It's not an excuse, but I think everybody understands it. It was like the Tom Wilson with Panarin thing. We all knew it was bullshit, but we all understood. And the argument was, well, you need to be able to control yourself. Same argument here, man. We get it. You're still wrong, but we get it. Now you got to answer And it for gave it. us basically the greatest hockey fight game of all time after that. Yeah. Right? In the past 10 years, at least. Yeah. And it's a storyline to this day. Yeah. To this day. They I went mean. out and got Ryan Reeves. <laughs> yeah. And he was teaching guys how to fight. <laughs> <laughs> it. 
and you know who that hurts and i'm sorry to stick on this topic for so long because there's definitely people who are done with it are like oh my god guys we get it you're angry that the the young star got beat up on but like you know who this hurts if you're dumb but you do this you you pull this shit often enough someone's gonna run caprice off yeah whether you like it or not someone's gonna run caprice off and is that a, a shitty thing to happen yeah that sucks you don't want that to happen and I like I'm not the kind of person who will go so far as to say, okay, then run Caprice off. But if you do that, and if you take shots, and you lose your cool, and you make a mistake like that, and you know you want to take those glove punches at a, a a young star on another team, if you don't answer the bell, it'll be your young star next time, and your fans will be angry, and it'll be their blood, and it's going to be a whole thing because hockey's just a, a a sport full of cavemen beating their clubs against their chest, asking for blood because nobody chills out because that's not what the sport is it's high octane high testosterone all it takes is one guy that's there's what 20 guys on the roster 18 skaters every game if 17 players are really pissed about it but they're only gonna fight dumba because they know like that's what you're supposed to do but dumba's backing down that 18th guy might do what ryan's saying and be like all right fine you're not answering my bell where's where's kaprizov again it's dumb old school hockey bro code garbage but it happens whether people want to admit it or not. Well, Dumba didn't answer the bell, so I'm looking forward to next season's game against Minnesota. This is the thing. He's lucky they're in different conferences because if this was Buffalo, Florida, Toronto, like this is going to be a consistent problem. Now he's allow what's going on with the Rangers and Capitals. Like that's a whole lot of garbage that shouldn't happen, but it's going to happen. So, yeah, it is it is what it is. It's the Jamie Ben thing. Do you think we'd still be talking about this? If someone scrapped Ben that night and that was the end of it, no, that, that would have been the end of it. Nobody would have talked about it, but he never answered the bell for it. And, you know, it's we're a year and a half later and every time Dallas comes to town, oh, is this the night? Even though we know it's not going to be. I mean, Jamie Ben's like almost Ryan Reeves level. Like that guy's not going to lose a fight. though. <laughs> he's a bit of a mutant. He's a, yeah, he's a freak. Well, the rest of the game went um, Minnesota took the lead and off of goals from Boldy and Kaprizov again. The Red Wings obsessed with giving young stars uh, some stats. Uh, and Jordan o- Jordan Osterley, who only scores clutch goals, <laughs> his second goal of the year off of a great zone entry and set up by Philip Zadina. Um, honestly, fantastic play. I don't know if it was actually the zone entry, but Zadina, yeah, it was. He, he actually took it end to end pretty much and uh, set up Jordan Osterley, who made no mistake ripping it home. And you're just like, I don't care that you don't score. If you only ever score like this, I'm all in. Just got to keep them around for the yeah. playoffs. Final three minutes of a game or overtime, the other 57 minutes do not matter. Yeah. It's a shame that game ended in a shootout. I know. Games like that make me want to get rid of the shootout completely. Just endless OT. Unfortunately, it went uh, overtime went uh, nothing went in the net and uh, Minnesota won the skills competition. So it was a 6-5 win. I have to say, is it was it a good goaltending game? No. Was it a good defensive game? No. I was happier, though. Knowing how this back end of the Red Wings season is going to go, I was happier watching that game. Like, I'd rather lose 6-5 in a shootout than 9-2 against the Coyotes. Quite obviously, but still. That's a bold statement there. No, but, like, I, I almost walked away from the game happy as a Red Wings fan knowing where they are right now. You can't expect you like to see some juice, some energy. And Minnesota's a good team. They've been cold. They were cold going up, uh, going up until that game. But they're a good team, right? Put in five against them, fine. Yep. The defense, you're not going to magically get better defensemen 
all of a sudden at game 50 or whatever they're at. So that kind of is what it is. And then Calgary. <laughs> the Red Wings kicked off a West Coast road trip starting with um, a few straight games in Canada. So that's Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver, which means no Tyler Bertuzzi because uh, as of yet, there is no inkling that the federal government change uh, is going to change their minds on requirement uh, of a vaccination to enter and there's no in, uh, inclination or indication that Tyler Bertuzzi is going to change his mind on vaccination and so uh, Tyler won't be playing those three games he's also close like his his uh, partner's close to having their their babies so um, I think at any moment we might be hearing that like Tyler depending on the timing might have to like leave the Seattle game next Saturday or something who knows might have to pull a fill yeah, play 30 seconds and then go home for the birth of your <laughs> child. Uh, anyways, um, all the best to them on that because I, I know that should be coming soon. But yeah, the Calgary game. Uh, no Bertuzzi and no Robbie Fabry, who for the third time in his career tore his ACL. That is some unfathomably bad luck. It's not luck at that point, right? That has to be genetics. Like He's got that platinum... Uh uh purchase card since he's been there so long. yeah honestly they have a room for him he's got acls made of paper mache i think it just has to be a genetic thing anyways that is his other knee and i don't i think that's better it's is it better or worse because he had one good knee as of like three days ago now he's got no good knees <laughs> i don't think he was particularly you know, at 100% in terms of foot speed after two ACL tears. So I'm not going to speculate as to how well he's going to come back from that in terms of his skating. It's definitely a grueling recovery. Like I don't wish that on anyone. So you have to feel for him going through it a third time physically and mentally. That's got to be devastating. Um, But he's out for sure the rest of the season. The hope is that he's back for training camp next year. And it's a shot to the forward group because going into that game, um, second line, Adam Ernie. And I don't really know what else there was to do. Like there wasn't really too much else. We got teased in practice, the VVZ line. We haven't seen it yet. The lines were in a Mesnikov, Larkin, Raymond. Um, it was, what, what is it? Valeno, Zadina, Ernie. Gagne. Gagne. I'll, I'll, Whatever fourth line plug was available. That's basically what it was. It was Nemeskov, Larkin, Raymond, Zadina, Suter, Ernie, Verona, Valeno, Gagne, Smith, Rasmussen, and they called up Luke Witkowski. Look, I like Zadina. I like Suter. A Zadina, Suter, Ernie line isn't going to do anything. A Verona, Valeno, Valeno, Gagne line. Yeah, Verona is a threat. Gagne is not really, you know, the kind of person to maximize that threat. And Valeno's not carrying that line on his own. And you can appreciate Nemesnikov when he wants, when he has to slot up to that first line, but it's not ideal. The Red Wings faced off against the Flames, who are a cup contending team. They played heavy against them. They shut them down. There was just nothing. There was just nothing for the Red Wings all game. One shot halfway through the game. Just about, yeah. They finished the second period with five shots on goal total through the first 40 minutes. And believe it or not, the the second period was better than the first. Yeah, I think you're going to need more than five shots to beat one of the best goalies in the league right now. 31-5 to five was the shots through two periods, and the score was miraculously only one nothing. So the defense wasn't a complete failure, and Thomas Grice was 
playing pretty well. Um, I actually thought this was going to be one of those stupid games where the Red Wings stole the win. Yep. When they had absolutely no right to do it, but it just And they wasn't. didn't. <laughs> and they did not. And they did not. Um, today's heartbreaking uh, stat that Prashanth put out, including last night, the Red Wings PK has only killed 38.1% of its penalties in the last 10 games. <laughs> that is... How many penalties have they taken? What's what's the sample size? 21. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> they killed 8 of 21 penalties. You know when they do the the puppy calendar, they could probably put the puppies out there and it might be better. It honestly could be. It'd be, be cuter. At first my brain like inverted it. I'm like, "Oh, they've only killed like just short of 62%." Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, "Oh, man, the other team's power play is operating at 38% against the Red Wings. That's yeah. that's horrific." Oh my god. Double. <laughs> I'm sure you can find small stretches of 10 games where the best and worst teams have stats like that on either end of the spectrum. Uh, not the best teams. No, not that bad. No, no, like w- the inverse, like they're that good. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um but it almost if I didn't trust Prashanth and I, uh, I I put this in the group chat. If I didn't trust him, I wouldn't believe it. I'd be like, no, you're you're missing something. Well, this is probably here. the worst stretch so far of Red Wings hockey we've watched in a while. This has got to be one of the worst stretches any PK on any team has had in decades. Like it just it feels oh, incomprehensible. Yeah, sh- it's for sure got to be up there with one of the worst ten game stretches since like the post two thousand four lockout. Since the Tankathon teams, yeah. Anyhow, the. The Red Wings put up nothing. They lost three nothing, and it's kind of miraculous. It was only three. Um, the lineup looked destitute without Bertuzzi and Fabry. Like that was a big shot. There was no adjustments made. I was kind of hoping that Blasha would go into the third period, see that they only had five shots, and stick Verana or Zadina or someone on the first line just to overload it and force the issue because the first line was being shut down. And that's pretty much all you have to do to win against the Red Wings right now. Didn't really see it. Would it have made a difference? No, because Calgary is that good. The most notable game things to happen in that game were the players lining up to shake Dean Morton's hand who retired after the game and uh, Johnny Goudreau poking his blade into Larkin's butt in the handshake line and then Larkin stealing a stick like that. <laughs> that was it. I mean, well, are we going to ignore the classic most Red Wings thing to Red Wing? The Red Wings recall Taro Hirose. Oh, yeah. And um, so obviously... They were down a bunch of bodies, so he was ready to play in Calgary, which, you know, doesn't feel super notable. Taro Horosi's just a guy, and they had to recall a guy. And then a day later, they recall Luke Witkowski and play Luke, Luke Witkowski in that game in Calgary, despite Taro Horosi being from Calgary. Is he from Winnipeg? No, I heard he was from Calgary, wasn't he? I think he might have been born somewhere else, but he grew up in Calgary. I could have that information wrong. It, uh, his hockey DB says born in Winnipeg. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I was reading that he either played junior in Calgary or grew up in Calgary. But either way. Well, should be better than Luke Wachowski then. Mike, Bab- Mike Babcock lives on. <laughs> I saw Lucic fought Giovanni, Giovanni Smith. Smith. Yeah, and that was their second of the year, and Lucic did get the better of him. That he gets the better of everybody. He's he an ab. He's a Neanderthal. He knows how to fight. He is so strong. Yeah, and I'm like, and I'm thinking Giovanni Smith is a very strong person. Yeah, the way Lucic just like manhandles other like ultra strong 
disguise is insane. He knows how to. Oh yeah. He'll he's like technically it's that blonde hair. Does he still have that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, he might. I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, that's the Red Wings upcoming on this road trip. They have an Edmonton team who's got a lot of questions to answer, and they have they, a Vancouver team. They who's, beat Tampa last night. Yeah. And then they have a Vancouver team after that on Thursday where they got Boos Brudro. Yeah. Boos. Boos. They're gunning for a playoff spot. It's not going to be easy. I mean, the worst team that they're going to play in the stretch is Seattle, and that's next weekend. And he's still, it's going to be tough. Um, before getting into some additional news, we're going to take a break here to let you know that this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, a sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need, even more excitement in the game. There's so many reasons FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook, uh, from ease of use and registration to deposits and finding your best bet, to withdrawals, which are quick and easy. FanDuel pays your winnings back in as little as 24 hours. They're always running great odds boosts and specials every day with some big super boosts each weekend. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that first bet. No strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get that grand back in site credit. Now what we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet of up to $1,000 and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, uh, Virginia, or Michigan. Earth first online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITHIN in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-979, 1-800-GAMBLER.net West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. Thomas Grace on the market. Some noise around him, too. Can you please refresh me on what his contract is? Expiring. Is um, What's his dollar amount again? Three and change? Yeah, something Four like and that. change, something like that. Hear me out, Toronto. Retain uh, half. We'll retain half. You flip us a third. Grace isn't getting a third. If I would take a seventh for Grace at this point. There's yeah. not really a purpose to keeping him for the no. rest of the season. And let's be honest, there's no way Calvin Pickard could be any worse outside of that one game Grace has had in the last two months. He's three point. He's making 3.6. There's a UFA. The Red Wings can retain the money if they want to. Um, whatever. They're probably not going to bring him back, right? They're going to want someone probably a little younger, probably cheaper. Or if they're not as if they're not as cheap, a little bit more solid than what Grace has been. If someone wants to pay any asset for grace take him plain and simple i'd be surprised if they did but goalie market the goalie market's weird if you have a goalie that you think absolutely should fetch something on the market probably won't get traded we're another week away from the trade deadline right yeah we're a week and a day at the time anything can change goalies can go down and tweak their groin and be out for a month and a half Mm -hmm. all the time yeah so What's realistic value you can expect for Grice? Let's say like it's not a package. It's just pick for Grice. What would you say? Fifth or sixth. Yeah. That's what I'd pick it at. I already made my offer. What did you say? A third. Third? Oh, okay. Hey, hey if, if they get a third for Grice, I think that's a... You know, not that you're going to be doing backflips for an extra third round pick, but I think that's a steal for value. I don't think he's back this offseason anyway, so yeah. 
bring up Pickard, have him play out the rest of the season is what it is. You're not making the playoffs. You're not what? You're yeah, sorry. Hate, <laughs> hate to break it to you. You're not anticipating winning a bunch of games. So whether it's Pickard or Nadelkovic, you just have to bear through the rest of the season. There you go. That's all you need to do. Um, I was surprised though with the amount of noise around Grace. I was like, does Flurry have to be dealt for some for Grace to get dealt? Or you said he wasn't moving. Yeah, I don't know about that still. Flurry half retained is the same cost as Grace none retained, essentially. GMs are weird. I just keep thinking Ken Holland's going to do it. <laughs> of course. Yeah, he, who is it the two that he already tried to acquire? Corpus Allo and Jones, who are both terrible. That's on brand. Didn't <laughs> draft Wallstead, which obviously wouldn't be a solution Probably right now. Jimmy and asked him how he was doing. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy's enjoying retirement, man. <laughs> He's not coming back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's Thomas Grace available. Okay, uh, that's Red Wings news. I'm just happy we have Verona back. That's legitimately the only saving grace right now. I'm happy we're able to talk about Verona scoring again. I'm happy he's able to play on this team. I will be happier when uh, he has a little bit more firepower on the offensive lines. So these next couple games might be a little bit touch and go with offense. But after Bertuzzi is able to slot back in, then might get rolling again. Why don't we get into a prospect profile? And let's start with that player that we thought we were going to do last time, uh, but we got too hung up talking about that loss. Um, out of the Czech Republic, right-handed defenseman David Iracek. Brad, take us away. Boring but effective. It's kind of yeah. He's uh, not the flashiest defenseman in the world, but he's effective, efficient, and very well-rounded. He's like I think who is it? Uh, Pronman does the NHL average, above average, below average ranking. Yeah, he's literally NHL average across the board. No, he was above average on compete and shot. Okay, shot and compete. But um, he, like I said, he and he fits that profile very well because he does everything well. Um, he's a good puck distributor. He's not a great skater, but he's a good enough skater. He's got good vision, can transition the puck well, can defend well, can run the offensive zone well. Um, like, like, I guess it's fair too. He's got a bomb of a shot, so he, he can absolutely crush a puck from the point. Um, not the most exciting player to talk about because, you know, you want to talk about, you know, McDavid's speed or Cider's physicality or stuff like that. It's not there with your chick, but it, it works. Like, you know, you think, do I think he's going to come over here and put up 50, 60, 70 points in a season? No, but you know, if he falls somewhere between a, you know, Jacob Slavin type, maybe a little lighter where, hey, he's going to do everything you need him to do on the ice and contribute just enough offense to to be worthwhile on a top pair or a second pair. That's probably best case scenario for your check. Uh, he shoots right, so it doesn't fill a direct need for the Red Wings. Um, but the Red Wings have always been big on best player available. They don't draft for positions. So given your check's profile, what the Red Wings look for in a player, where he's projected to go, where the Red Wings are projected to pick. He is definitely someone we need to keep an eye on. I see a big defenseman, six foot three, who moves well enough, is effective at all ends of the ice, makes you know smart, smart passes, is consistent, is solid defensively, can contribute offensively, has a heavy shot and knows how to work the power play. And, you know, be a threat in the offensive zone 
<laughs> it's got Steve Eisman written all over it, right? I understand that the Red Wings, depending on how this shakes out, like, you know, Frank Nazer or a center in that range is probably going to be a little bit more preferable in a lot of people's minds. But, you know, the right side of the Red Wings defense, is it the biggest need right now? No. Is it settled for the future for when they want to be contending for cups? Also, no. So if the Red Wings view Yerichek as the best player available wherever they're picking, which is 7 to 10 range because they're not going to win in the lottery. He's viable there to me, and I I, I like the pick. Is it just because he's, a, he's an effective all-around defenseman? Yeah, of course. That's always going to be something I prefer. But removing the need for a centerman, I see a lot of advantage for Juracek's game, and I see a lot of him fitting into the Red Wings system. Everything from how hard he works to how well-rounded he is to you know the size and the tools and the fact that he's not just a big body and that he's not just the skill or athleticism. He's a combination of all, and he has the ability to, to execute. Not flashy, sure. He's not the world's fastest skater, and he's not Kale McCarr out there. Um, but I see someone who on a hypothetical future Red Wings blue line, whether first or second pair on the right side, could be a really, really effective player, especially considering who they have on the left side. So, or who they might have on the left side. The Red Wings are stockpiling checks. They are. Um, it's probably also worth noting that his season ended at the World Juniors due to a knee injury. Yeah, yeah, he had that. So that, that little lingering concern there. Like, do you think he'll drop down the board because of that? I don't know. You went to medical school. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Staying out of this one. <laughs> Mom, dad, turn this off. <laughs> well, we remember Peyton Krebs, right? Tore his yeah. Achilles, yep. fell down the draft board. Probably a lot of people regret that now. Yep. Um, but it's also not always a bad move to ignore players with that, that injury history. So fun, fun aside, I think Jeff Merrick was uh, telling a story on his podcast that a uh, bunch of teams in the first round put uh, Krebs on their do not draft in the first round because of the Achilles and the Sabres were one of them. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. So, and he came, that's the hysterical. way, the way things work out sometimes. Yeah. Your thoughts on your check and the concept of taking a right-handed defenseman at the top of the first round. Yeah, I don't think he's uh, the best fit for Detroit because I think, you know, there's a lot of guys I think who will be all sort of around the same range of where teams have them on their boards. And, you know, what? if there's a tiebreaker, it'll be position of need. And I, I think if he was left-handed, it would be a lot different. Yeah. Um, or I think it'll come down to being a center, uh, like needing a centerman, something else. I like his game a lot. Like, he... Like you guys said, he doesn't do anything bad. He's got a good shot, which, you know, helps it helps at the NHL level. Um, I think he'll be a top four guy on on any team and he'll be the kind of guy who, barring injury, will be a guy who plays a long time just because he's got all the, the, the right tools and he's super well-rounded. He's like the type of guy who plays for like 20 years and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that guy was drafted like sixth overall in mm-hmm. his draft. That's what kind of kind of screams to me. Um, would I be happy if Detroit drafted him? Yeah, because you've basically got an assured top four defenseman. Um, but it doesn't alleviate any of the other issues we've been witnessing all year. Do we overrate the right side of Detroit's defense? Probably. Yes. Yeah. Considering none of them have played in Mo- the NHL yet. Most siders the only certainty over there. Yes. We don't say this out loud enough, but you know, Philip Ronick's like competitive future on this team, like ideally, if you if Philip Ronick is to stay on this team long term, 
ideally you want him playing He's got to be a top four or nothing at all. Well, I'm thinking if he's going to stay, he's got to be playing like light second pair, if not third pair minutes, if on a cup competitive Red Wings of the future. Right now, he's not really, he's not got a lot to play with. Maybe this changes when he has someone on his left side who's substantially better. But as of right now, he's still not like thriving like they might have hoped. I don't know if you, a hot take here is that Hronik gets traded, honestly. And then you look beyond Hronik, it's what, Lindstrom, Stetcher, Tuomisto? The Red Wings right side is easy to overlook because they have Cider right now. And Hronik isn't, it's not like Hronik's useless. Like he's out there, he's eating a lot of minutes and he's playing on a very bad Red Wings defensive core. He has no support. And he plays the same side as Cider, so he'll never play with Cider. So we're probably harder on him and he still hasn't. (laughs) Nick Letty's not been good this year by and large, so it's not like he's been elevated there. But that's why we overlook the right side. If we're talking cup competitive Red Wings in three to five years, there's work to be done there. Which is why drafting someone like Yerichek isn't unattractive to me. Yeah, it's not the worst idea in the world. But then you look at their forward prospect depth and you go, yeah, no, that's where we should go. I understand <laughs> McTavish was off the board last year, so you don't go for the winger. And they went for um, they went for Edvinson. And that's all well and good. And Edvinson looks to be continuing to crush it over in Sweden. But the Red Wings will need a top six center at some point. I don't know where they're going to get it from. It doesn't have to be at the top of the first round, but that's sure. Or it's you're going to pay an absolute premium if you trade for him. Or yep. have to sign him as a UFA because that won't be cheap either. Or something's got to hit from later down in the rounds. Which, I mean, I'm not saying is impossible, but you can't count on those things happening. You can't always count on getting the gems in later rounds like Point and Kucherov or whatever it is. Um, Anyhow, yeah, in a vacuum, I really like your check. You start to expand it and then you consider, you know, Frank Nazer. You want Lambert whoever else you think might be able to play center, that's when you have to start making those decisions. Glad we're not making them. We just talked about it. We just criticize everybody who has to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. The world of the NHL. I got nothing. Well, a story I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Yeah. is, uh, Is Jack Eichel returns to Buffalo playing for the Vegas Golden Knights, obviously. I love this. This is the best. This is absolutely the best content all around. There are no losers, only winners in this situation. So Jack Eichel returns to Buffalo. He gets his tribute video, which is, you know, classy of the Sabres organization to do. There's too many tribute videos these days. Everybody's getting one. No, no. Yes. Okay. Yes. Who was it that yes. went on Twitter? Andrew Raycroft was complaining. Was it? I don't know. Yeah. Sarcastically. Was he? Why is every why why does that matter? It's a tribute video. Who cares? Tribute for what? It doesn't. It doesn't even get played on TV for the most part. All it happens. Thank God. <laughs> Jack, you're telling me Jack Eichel didn't deserve. I know a this isn't video. part of your what you wanted to say. No, no, it's okay. That's a, okay. it's a podcast, okay. man. There's three of us. Okay. I just think they're. You think they shouldn't have done one for Jack Eichel? Yeah, I don't. Oh my! What's your bar? You have to play for the team a long time, or you get traded. A Claude Giroux should get a tribute video. <laughs> When he inevitably moves on, he gets a tribute video. I don't know. Mark Stahl, Thousand Games, tribute video. You're a golfer. You're all into like the, the old-fashioned shows of respect, no matter how illogical They don't is. do tribute videos out there. <laughs> There's no teams. Exactly. 
anyhow. This isn't what you wanted to say. So no, I, I'm not like, I'm not upset. I'm just, <clears throat> your passions are always uh, surprising. <laughs> this is what gets There's probably some childhood memory where like everybody got participation ribbons and it was just bullshit. Something like that. Everyone that but you, you, apparently. I probably won and I was like, they don't deserve it because they suck. <laughs> Jack Eichel got his tribute video. I think the, uh, what I heard on TV when it happened, I think it might have been the ESPN broadcast. They were like, it was 80% cheers and 20% boos. But when you see, actually heard the reports, like, no, mostly Arena was booing him. Boo earns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was getting booed hard and he got booed the whole game. And who scored in that game? Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck, which is just poetic. And uh, yeah, they were giving it to Jack. I love it. I love that too. Hell yeah, Buffalo. Go for it. Buffalo won. Good for you. Get pumped up off that. And then what did Jack Eichel say after the game? He was obviously peeved because they lost. And and he was getting booed. He's getting booed. And he said, oh, that's the loudest I've ever heard that arena. All it took for them to, uh, in seven years or whatever, all it took for them to get finally get in the game was me leaving, I guess. And he said it a lot more pissed off than that. But he did say it. And I think that's great, too. I, th- I love that. Uh, more villains, please. Yeah. If the fans want to talk their shit and he wants to talk his shit, absolutely. It's not a clean situation. <laughs> he wanted like- out. He wanted to not be part of that team. And I'm yeah. a fan. I'm booing him every single time. I'm throwing snakes on the ice. Like, yeah, I'm, I love it. They paid good money. They can do whatever the hell they want. I, I mean, well, maybe not at a Buffalo game, <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> a few folding tables had some regrets <laughs> yeah. that day. I think they should be more mad at their ownership or at least just as mad, but who's to say they're not. It's a great way to vent your frustrations. I'm not the kind of person to ever gatekeep. Like, you can't say, boo, you suck. No, it's part of being a sports fan. Say, boo, you suck. If they sucked or you're pissed off at them, go for it. And I love when the player bite, like bites back. Me too. Like, we need way more of that. Hundred Jack Eichel could have gone out there and sounded like, you know, Sidney Crosby and said, well, I mean, they're a passionate fan base and, and I know it was a tough, tough time. And uh, I can appreciate why some people... We're upset, and uh, I just want to say I, I have nothing but respect for the city of Buffalo. And I hate all, all of that. Yeah. And instead he said, <laughs> Going for the, you, yeah. eat shit, see you later. <laughs> I thought it was Oh, great. that's so good. The NHL could literally could not have written better content. They need more. Brad, you haven't said a word. I'm worried that you didn't like the booze. Agree with me, or I'll be mad. It depends what context you're coming at for. Do I agree the Sabres fans should have booed him, or do I love the fact that they did? Yeah, give us both. Who cares? I love the fact they did. It's great content. They absolutely should not have booed him, though. Ah, oh, boo. Boo, Brad. Classic old man. You know, well, old man Brad. You mean the, the face of the franchise that got no help for seven years? They wouldn't even let him get a surgery to fix his... Of course he should have wanted out of there. And any fan with half a brain can see why he wanted out of there. Still. I'd still boo him. I, 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 I booed less or worse for, or less worse for more. I don't know what I'm trying. You know what I'm trying to say. You booed more for less. Yeah. <laughs> you said yeah because you trust that Brad is right, not because you understand. Hey, I'm, I'm hungover. <laughs> I'm all for it. I, honestly, if I'm a Buffalo fan, which I could never imagine. Imagine being a Buffalo fan of any sport. Well, yeah, well could not be me. But if I was a Buffalo Sabres fan. And I agreed fully with Jack Eichel, as painful as it was. I still would have gone out there and booed. I think that is. I think that is your duty as a Buffalo Sabres fan. Dylan Larkin gets traded to the. Well, he requests the trade. Let's say it's apples to apples. A hundred percent same situation. And he's like, I need, I need out. Blah 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 blah. And he goes to 
freaking anybody. Yeah, hundred percent. Colorado. He yeah. goes to Colorado. Oh, oh it's God. not a. Eichel didn't go to a rival. Okay, he, he, go- go- he goes to. Does Buffalo have he, rivals? He goes to Los Angeles. I'm booing him. Yeah, I'm booing him every single time. He is on the ice. It does not matter how justified if the player makes the decision that they want out. Booed. 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 You have to. Is it Neanderthalic? Yeah. Yeah. I'm booing. (laughs) That's the point. Well, I'm booing during the tribute video. (laughs) They did. I'm booing the tribute video, not the player. Oh, yeah. That's you. That's you personal. (laughs) This, This is the hardest glimpse we've ever taken into the boomer window in an episode overall. 100%. We're going full out like old school, no logic, just like big hits, big vibes. Yes. We're like two two minutes away from I don't think goalies should butterfly anymore. They had it right. Stand up was the best. Bring, <laughs> bring back hook and grab. Yep. <laughs> Nobody could shoot like well, they're, they, they have they that. Are. Just Oh man, that was bad. Yeah, That was a bad missed call. There was which one, and I hate that I have to ask that. Look, I'm all for ripping on Leafs fans, but as a at, oh, I, that wasn't even one of the ones that registered yeah, that in my head. The one I was either. <laughs> which one are you thinking about? Um, Hyman and oh yeah, Ovechkin yeah, 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 on Hyman yeah. and uh, I was thinking yeah. of the hold on Matthews, and there's the hook on Hyman and Kadri. Yeah, it's bad, man. Landeskog had the best argument I've ever seen. For I Brad. heard that. Yeah, that was that, really good because he was very, we'll call it cordial about it and respectful while still being like scathing and breaking down here's why we were mad because for anybody who missed it um basically Kadri took a high sticking penalty on Niederreiter and Niederreiter sold it pretty hard uh pretty obviously so obviously the Avs were pissed about it so they're yelling it's a dive it's a dive the ref came over to the bench and said there, the Avs go, it's a dive. And he goes, yeah, but it's still a high stick. And Landis Gok said, okay, that's fair enough. And then when Naz comes out of the box, he's going up the ice. He gets hooked, sells it, goes down, no call. So the Avs are pissed again. Ref comes over the bench. We're like, he's, they're yelling, that's a hook. And he goes, yeah, but he dove. And then they responded, but it's still a hook. Like, just like... Threw the ref's own logic right back at in their face. Like, I th- I don't even think five minutes of game time had elapsed. Mm-hmm. DJ Luxmore, Waterloo native. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah. You're willing to admit that right now, eh? But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, that, that little window in that Avalanche Hurricanes game is the epitome of everything wrong with NHL refing that it could be that inconsistent by their own logic in, in, that circumstance that context point well made brad um evan had to leave and i got to in the, you know in the time as we were listeners will just hear an edit and picking back up but in that time uh, it's like I, the blip from avengers yeah i got to witness your personal reaction to the news that, <laughs> that tom brady is indeed unretiring it literally broke in that gap as evan was leaving I, at least uh, he's in the NFC now. I witnessed part of you deflate, though. No, no, I'm changing my tune. Buffalo needs to get their revenge on him in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's We have to send him into retirement. It's only right. It did feel a little bit too much that it was a Matt Stafford team that sent him to retirement. Like, as someone who's, you know, a big Matt Stafford guy, I was like, 
feels like this feels like a fanfic. Like that doesn't seem real. Like he was Tom Brady was so close. And I think he they like the the Bucks would have beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I I had a hard time see, like understanding why he would walk away right then and there. And yeah, he's coming back. No, it can't be Matt Stafford. It has to be Josh Allen. You will just find me the following morning in a pile of broken folding tables, and I will somehow get three cases of Jenny Creamel and just it'll be nothing but uh, Buffalo Saber or Buffalo Bills uh, boxers on. <laughs> Zubaz boxers. Yeah. I'll have the buffalo hat on. Three feet of snow. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow Hank's still going. Yeah. Of course he is. Okay. Uh, why don't we take some time here and take a look at uh, what the odds are across the NHL in our segment, uh, sponsored by the FanDuel Sportsbook, where we where we um we take a look at uh, certain things like Stanley Cup winning odds, conference and division winning odds, team futures, player futures, and maybe even game by game odds. And usually Evan's the 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 balance here to tell you what to actually place as a good bet. And you and I are just a little off the rails, but Evan's gone, so it's we're pure wild card this. Now nah, I'm here to lose you money or win you billions. <laughs> There's no in between. All right, let's start with the big one: Stanley Cup odds. Who do you have as the odd, odds on favorite right now? Who do you think it is? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? Who? The Buffalo Sabres. No, they just kicked the shit out of the Leafs. But uh, Stanley Cup favorites, I mean, it's boring, but I've been saying it for four years or five years now, and I've been right just as often as I've been wrong. It's Tampa until someone takes it from them. Colorado is a plus 400, and that is the best betting line right now. Tampa's second at a plus 750. So you're saying you would put your money on Tampa? currently yes but the news that broke about colorado is intriguing because they are in prime position for some cap circumvention here right because they have some injuries landeskog and gerard are both out potentially for the rest of the regular season that's a lot of cap space that just freed up is all i'm saying trade deadlines a week away Colorado's in no danger of missing the playoffs so they don't whispers of them wanting maybe a patrick kane a claude Giroux. they want to do something big they're going if they can get teams to get ret- like retained, they could get both. Hey, if you need a third team to retain, that's Steve Eisman's music. Like he wants to step in there. Yeah. So Colorado's going to go big game hunting. They're going to be able to. I shouldn't say cap circumvention. It's well within the rules, but um, they'll have that opportunity to ignore the salary cap. Um, Tampa's still unbelievable, deep as ever. You want to pick the Floridas and um, the Vegases of the world, but they haven't done it yet. Vegas might not even make the playoffs at this point. I don't care. Like Vegas is a plus 1200. You might think those are good odds, but I don't know. They're dealing with quite a bit of injury and they're missing some key players. Like you don't lose Mark Stone and get better. Plain yeah. and simple. I'm avoiding Vegas right now. With any money, I'm avoiding Vegas. Put that money at, on, on Calgary at plus 1,000 instead. Ooh, that's a good one. Right? Daryl Sutter's got a history of taking good teams and making them great. Yeah. Like, we just saw Calgary, how they can absolutely stifle an awful team. But Daryl Sutter just done it to good teams before, too. Johnny Goudreau's playing at an MVP level. Elias Lindholm's having a career year. Markstrom, I think he leads the league in shutouts because, of course, he does, like... Look how good Calgary is, and Sean Monahan's falling off a cliff. Yeah, that's what I, I. He's like third, fourth line. Yeah, and I was like, they're this good, and he's not contributing. Like that is, 
a it's impressive how he's pulled together that team and honestly the roster construction they have some of the like quiet i know it's a meme at this point but quietly some of the best players in the league mm-hmm. greater than the sum of their parts i like them a lot at plus 1000 yeah that's a really good bet minnesota plus 2000 i don't know I don't know. I don't see a team that's letting in five against the Red Wings. I don't think that they're playing at a level right now where I'm putting cup money on them. Oh, you're not a big Cam Talbot guy, huh? Okay. How about this? Boston Bruins plus 2,500. No, I don't think they have the horses for it this year. And I like their goaltending, but I don't trust their goaltending, if that makes sense. No, but... And I really don't trust their depth. They'll be in a playoff spot, though. And one, oh, yeah, yeah. And there, a lot of those guys have, have a lot of playoff experience. Not not as many as you would think. No, that's true. We are further removed from a Boston Cup win than people appreciate. It's been 11 years. Oh, my God. Were they 2011? Yep. Wow. Yeah. See? Case in point. Um, Toronto plus 1,200. I mean, if, no, you're, put, if no. you're putting money on Toronto to win the cup, I feel like you should get a bigger award than that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not even putting Toronto plus 1,200 to get out of the first round. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they just got they just had their premier game, the Heritage Classic outdoor, and got smoked by the Sabres. That team is fundamentally broken. I like Florida at plus 800, and I like Calgary at plus 1,000. I do not blame you if you put money on Colorado or Tampa Bay, Colorado being the odds-on favorite, but I think three cups in a row is incredibly hard in this era. Um, I would probably place Colorado as a favorite, but for some more favorable odds, I, I, I really like Calgary actually. Yeah. I like Florida, but their, their odds line's not big enough for me. Got to get in those four digits before I'm making my bet. <laughs> <laughs> Who is, Oh, plus man. a thousand. Let's go Calgary. That's fair. Um, okay. Let's look at some conference and division with Eastern conference, Tampa Bay and Florida are pretty much neck and neck at plus 380 and plus 400. Now nah, that division set, there's no fun here. Not set, but like to win the division, any of those three teams could win it. And it's not that fun. Where's Carolina? Cause Carolina right now is plus 500 and they actually have the best points percentage just barely ahead of Florida. I'm not putting money on Tampa there. I'm putting money on Carolina or Florida. You're talking about division or conference? Conference. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Carolina would be a good one. And then Western Conference, it's Colorado and then maybe Calgary catches up. Like Colorado's plus 175. Calgary might catch up though. Like we just said, Colorado's down McCarr and – not McCarr, Landeskog and Gerard. So if they strike out at the deadline, they could – I don't want to say struggle, but they could give Calgary life. Yeah, that's true. Calgary is not like an unfathomable, unfathomable amount behind. But I'm not making that bet until the deadline passes, if that makes sense. Because if Colorado ends up with Giroux or Kane or somebody or Chikrin, yeah, I don't know if I'm betting against them, no matter how good the odds are. Chikrin's flying back to Arizona with an injury. Yeah, that's have, fair. You have to see how bad that is. Man, and the Coyotes were really making a run for it there. Like kind of unironically, <laughs> they what won. Are they? they what? What did they win? Four, five in a row. They took out Colorado, Toronto, the Red Wings, just the absolute powerhouses of the NHL. The worst two teams in the league right now by in the standings are Arizona and Montreal. Arizona's six and four in their last ten, and Montreal's seven two and one. <laughs> what is this league? Yeah, yeah. Seattle's actually by points percentage below Arizona. In the standings, they should be the 31st. It's just that Arizona, uh, Seattle's played three more games. My, 
This league is so dumb. I love it. Yeah, I think there's some good, like, Stanley Cup odds are always a little scary to me because hockey fans know how crazy the playoffs can get and how an unfathomably wild card hey, team Ken can. Holland, you just you just have to get in. You just have to get there. St. Louis, they just got in. L.A., however many years back, St. They Louis just, got, just in. got in, but they were the best team in the league. Washington. In January on. When L.A. won the Cup, they were the best team in the league from January on. They had slow starts and went into pl- the playoffs on absolute heaters. They do not qualify. Boston is on an absolute heater right now. Yeah, and that could fit. Yeah. That could fit. Anyhow, uh, let us know what you uh, have lines on. We always like to see how um, other people are smarter than us and win a little bit more money. So thank you to the Fantool Sportsbook for sponsoring this segment. I only need to win one out of every 10 bets I make to to make it worthwhile. (laughs) And let's jump into uh, overtime here. And we'll start off with our Patreon supporters. Uh, They're the reason we're able to do this show. And they're the reason we're able to have the fun that we uh, can do and get this podcast out to you twice a week. So thank you, local winged wheel podcast, patron, patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. If you want to support the show. And they also got a um, coupon code recently to buy something from the winged wheel podcast shop. Um, Okay. (laughs) from matt keeler says after these last few games just give us uh prospect profiles yeah it's gonna be tough for the next little while matt and um that's what we're gonna do let's just all hang in there together don't expect a lot from the back half uh okay what else do we have marcus says marcus new name level sponsor thank you so much marcus for your support it really means a lot says hey boys long time listener first time patron why can't our hockey team do good hockey uh, the hockey players are we've spent seven years on this podcast trying to figure it out when we have an answer we'll stop <laughs> red wings super fan randy says is there something i'm missing about zadina's game that gary gets him buried in the bottom six with grinders playing 12 minutes a night i don't understand why he's not put in a position to succeed giovanni smith has or had more ice time tonight and he sat out five minutes for fighting it's ridiculous i don't have a good answer there Philip Zadina has the shortest leash of any Red Wings on the team right now. Does he play a flawless game? No. Do I personally think that if his leash wasn't so short, he wouldn't overthink so many plays and cough up the puck as much as he does? Yeah. Very obviously, this guy is a he's a player where the mental matters. And you can't brute force every player like that. I understand there's different coaching styles and there's some players who will never get over it. And it's not like, oh, every turnover is not Zadina's fault, Splash Hills. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm not really in favor of benching the guy or having him play no minutes from the second period on, halfway through the second period on, whatever it was, when A, the team has five shots on goal, and B, when is a better time to make these mistakes and break out of it when you're not going to make the playoffs, you're not expecting to win games, and the rest of the team is doing jack shit either? Like, do I have a big we all we're all guilty of having a big soft spot for Philip Zadina. Like there that's the bias and we'll always call that out, but I don't know, man. He just disappeared. You need to give him a chance to fight back. And he just gets in his own head and head, and that's why he tries to do too much with the puck. He thinks that every play needs to be stellar or he's not gonna skate the next shift. And like unfortunately, that's what we've seen. But this long Blashell has this long track record of being overly hard on the young skill players and and they all work out every one of them so 
Uh, Miss Days says the wheels have officially fallen off. The all-important culture of the team is suffering, and I fear risk of long-term damage. Trade every UFA who isn't named Stall. Oh, we didn't talk about Stall's thousandth game. Rockstar shit. Yeah, those shirts are cool. I'm so mad that they're not publicly available for sale. Yeah. Clean out the bench. The team cannot think that this kind of stretch is acceptable. Do you think we can pick up a left-handed D at the deadline that isn't a fit with their team anymore? Provorov on the expensive side. Peterson, if the Red Wing or if the Penguins want to clear up some cap with their three, four plus million dollars left-handed defenseman. I am very in favor of either of those moves. How has Peterson's season been? I, I'm not, not good. That's why he would be available. As long as the asset. As long as it, like, I, I'm not giving up a lot to get him, you know? No. I think they already gave up too much to get Letty, and I don't think they're they're going to get that return. No, I don't. With his contract, I don't think Peterson would cost very much at all. You're basically agreeing to take the contract, which in it of itself is a risk, but. Um, Connor Dukes says, and this is just a congratulatory thing, says things I'm excited for in 2022. The Red Wings will almost definitely win again. Bold take. Uh, and I'm going to become a dad. Connor, congratulations, man. You're joining Brad. Um, sleep now yeah jeremy doll says that was certainly something i was at the calgary game in person with my fiance for her first live wings game oh god i'm so sorry <laughs> at the end of the first the shots were 12 to 1 and i thought my, i think they were like 18 or 19 to 1 i thought well this is a good example of what it's like to have been a wings fan then it was 30 to 5 and i lost track i'm fully on the fire blast wagon the team looks sluggish slow uninspired special teams were awful I think Calgary scored on every single power play. At least Grice played well. Only member memorable thing of the game. Can you tell me and Chantel everything is going to be okay? Uh, yeah, but just not anytime soon. <laughs> um, I-99 says eight days until the trade deadline. Friedman said yesterday that the Sharks have apparently decided to keep Hurdle and Merrick said that nobody is calling for Giroux. Most boring trade deadline ever incoming. How is there nobody calling for Giroux? I don't. I, I think... I don't buy that for a second. I I have to imagine maybe the price was set a bit high, but for a player of Giroud's caliber, they always circle back. There's a week, just over a week left. That is an eternity in trade deadline time. I think every trade deadline is liable to be boring. Most of them yeah. are, but... Yeah. They never live up. Like Red Wings are like, oh, we're in a rebuild. This trade deadline is going to be amazing. I mean, we're realistically looking at like a fourth for Nick Letty, a sixth for Grice, and like a third for Nemesnikov being the best case scenario. Like a third, a fourth, and a sixth, unless Eisman really decides to go off the deep end, which could happen. Um, hello, I'm Aaron. <laughs> And I like to smoke and yell at the Red Wings on television. Says, is Jacob Vrana what we thought Zadina could be after Zadina was drafted? Pretty close. Yeah, I mean, not the exact same player, but in terms of the scoring, yeah, I think that was the best case scenario of what Zadina could be. Which I think that's gone for Zadina now. There's not really much to say there in terms of him turning into as natural of a scorer, but I do think there is some space above Zadina's head to improve as a scorer. And we will take one or two more here. Super Califragilistic Expialidocious um, says, is there something I'm missing? Verona scores three times in two games and is on the third line. I got nothing. They're trying to spread out the talent, right? Easing, easing him back. He hasn't been playing a ton of minutes. Easing him back. They need to get Valeno with guys who can move the puck and convert on chances which I, I agree is important. 
they need to have not all of their talent on one line because a great team will be able to shut that down. Although I think then a great team just shut down Larkin and Raymond because Domestikov wasn't too much of a factor. So there's that. Um, yeah, that's essentially it. Like when you have er- when Ernie on the second line is reprehensible, but you understand how they got there, you're lacking. Like the Red Wings forward group is severely lacking now. Uh, okay, let's take one or two Reddit questions here before wrapping up and recording our Patreon exclusive overtime. Squish the fish says, is Ned actually this bad? Has he played too much? Has he been coached out of being good? What's going on here? Goalie's a mental game. Had a bad stretch. Snowballed. That's all it is. He's way better than how he's playing now. Um, It's not to say, you know, everything's going to be okay and like absolutely 100% and just keep playing Ned and it's everyone else's fault but his. No, of course. Every goalie has a cold streak. Every goalie, like Brad said, sometimes goalies have bad seasons. Um, Ned's playing on a brand new team. Most nights gets next to no defensive support. Like you said, playing more games than he ever has. If this happens every season, then it's a concern. But you'll see that most Red Wings fans are just kind of like, yeah, you understand how we got here. Winter Swan 4334 says, how long do you guys think it will be until we have five Swedish players on the ice at once? Could we Could we do it now? No, we only have one. Swedish defenseman. It'll take a little while. What about up front? Raymond. Raymond. We don't have a Swedish center. No. Don't have a Swedish left winger, although Soderblom soon. Bergen doesn't play center either. You could stick Raymond and Bergen on opposite wings. Yeah, but then you still don't get a Swede beside them. You could eventually, there'll be a shift, I'm sure, where Edvinson and Lindstrom are on the ice at the same time. Yeah. Until they get that Swedish center. Can't, can't even happen. get a top six center. We can't be particular about the nationality. <laughs> it might be a few years is what we're saying. All right. We're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, just a heads up, upcoming episodes. Um, the next one will likely post Thursday. That'll be our trade deadline preview. And then after that, it won't be a Sunday episode. We're going to wait until after the trade deadline wraps up on Monday. Monday evening, you'll see our trade deadline wrap up episode. So that's our trade deadline coverage for you. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our listeners, the sponsors of this episode, uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook, and our name level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sierra Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Dr- Driver of the number 69, Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slamma Jamathong, Taylor Tagel, Matthew M. Rice, uh, B. Diz, Boost Lobsinger, Carl Brutanen Analuski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Craig Kibble, Daniel Garcia, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hanali, Honeysuckle Scented Farts, Hassam Al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Evan's not here to laugh at the jokes today, Jacob Turner, Justin in the Angry Mob, Kalen Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, brand new name level sponsor. Thank you. Uh, Matt McKay, RA, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Zach Spring, Eves Bartels, uh, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Ben Barron, Connor Leighton, Dave W, Eric Sinkowski, Evans Bingo Card. Hello, I'm Aaron and I like to smoke and yell at the Red Wings on television. James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, 
Logan Stahl, Matt Keeler, Matt S, Max $1 million, Revy DeLuca, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, Terry Actual, the bit of the bit of the old up the bum fun starring Johnny Hockey, <laughs> Trevor Pavovar, Zach Candyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you, weirdos, so much. We'll see you for trade deadline coverage. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.